0: Right, so I'm here with Paul Haniford, who's uh, making a massive impact in schools as a speaker. And this has basically come about because of all the young people who've been watching True Geordie, all the kids who asked for me to go on True Geordie, asked for Paul to go on True Geordie. We've been receiving loads of messages saying me and Paul should sit down, have a chat, and put the video on YouTube. So thanks to you guys out there, that's what we're doing here today. So how did all this come about for you, Paul? I mean, going back in time... What led to you do, becoming a school speaker?
1: Well, what it was, I think, I mean, I went to, as we'll get into the story, yeah. I come out of rehab many years ago, and then uh, coming out of rehab, it was like, you know, clean this sober and I thought, well, what do I do myself? What year
0: was this then, you was This in...
1: would have been, uh, what are we now with two So it'd have been about, i come out of rehab, what am I now, mean, 12 years clean now? Yeah. So I've be, been doing this job eight years, so about five years ago, I've come back from Living in the treatment area in Somerset to Essex, and I started doing a bit of drama work, like you know, TV extra work and all that. And I went yeah. to drama school, it was really difficult. So I come out and I thought, Well, what am I going to do? I've got those convictions, I
0: mm-hmm. am
1: barely read right So then I had an idea of obviously going back just to my old school. Yeah. What, to chuck me out for what, to what convictions did you have? Oh, I just, just theft. I've been a thief all my life. Yeah, okay. So I probably, you know, I, I, I mean, I got about 50, 60 convictions. And that was for
0: even to support heroin Sub- it, Sub- it. And
1: Conviction. obviously, at a young age of gang life supporting yeah, okay. a cannabis habit, which we get to. So anyway, cut long story short, I had this idea. I thought I'd go to my school, I got in touch with a local council, and then they said, come back, come back. And I thought, you know, and they kept sort of eye blanking me, and I kept going back and going back, and then they said, all right, can you come to like a youth club? Yeah. a talk. Yeah. So I turned out with you club, and all of a sudden, all the kids are playing pool and whatever. And they go, What, stop him mm-hmm. and sit down, you've got to listen to this guy speak for 20 minutes. And I was getting loads of dirty looks, and then, all, <laughs> you know, who's this guy? And yeah. spoke to him, and they loved it. The kids loved it. And obviously, a few of them went back to their school the next day, told the head teacher, and then they contacted the council, contacted me, so an assembly. Right. I said, How many kids? Went, I went 200. <laughs> well, I went, Poor. I, I was Yeah, I was struggling to talk to 10, that, you know. I going to speak to 200 kids now, and, and and then from that, it just snowballed, probably like with yourself, Yeah. word of mouth, oh, I don't know how many up to now, I think last average give or take, you know, a few thousand, it's about 300,000 now, it's about to yeah. 350,000. Wow. Um, uh, I'm getting busier, I think in hindsight of what's going on with everything I experienced, which is quite a lot, yeah. well, it wasn't just, you know, the gang life, the mm-hmm. knife crime, the gun crime, mm-hmm. I've become, you know, heroin crack addict, it's not what I was. You know, I was I was a raging alcoholic before I started taking crack and heroin. Yeah. Then it was like you, I guess. You know, the experience of, of many prison sentences. Yeah. Lots of stabbings and just stuff that I went through and self harm, mental health. So I guess the experiences or stuff that I experienced for twenty three years, I can now go into mm. any environment with young people. Yeah. And, and and share my story around most of the stuff that's really relevant to them. Yeah. Or you know could get in the way they their progression for them to come. Productive member of society, you know?
0: Yeah. So, how old were you when you did your first
1: crime? I probably would have been 13. 13. And it would have been fifth And that's when the gang stuff started. I got chucked out of school for <laughs> smoking cannabis. And before that, I was a bit of just a kid at my football. Yeah. You know, I was West Ham mad, born in East London, good football i football practice, you know, and every Sunday I'd be a little left back with my trophies. Yeah. next thing I know, somewhere along the line in school, you start, You know, some kids get involved, some don't. I was the one got involved, but right. I didn't find it changed me. Lost interest in football. Within a year, I'm chucked out of three schools in a pupil referral unit. Right. Now what they are, they're obviously mainstream schools that can't handle kids, just obviously kick them out, chuck them out, get rid of them. Yeah. You know, and then you end up in this place full of dysfunctional kids. So like a bomb gang off. Yeah. You know you've got all these absolute like kids that are just like you know really quite dysfunctional. I guess. I mean they're called EBD schools today, emotional behavioural difficulties and whatever that was. But I know now I'm knocking about the kids with the same thing process as me. Right. And then that's when the the, the, the the gang started out there on the street. Mm-hmm. I should be year, you know, I should be year ten or eleven. I'm now outside carrying a knife, running about with a load of boys, committing crime. The cannabis, obviously, grew and grew and grew. Then it was lots of strong alcohol, like, you know, tenants and just really, really powerful alcohol. So I'm getting drunk and stoned every night. And then it was things like LSD, um, now ecstasy and then convictions. Yeah. You know, I'm obviously you know, committing crime every day and then I picked up, I think by the time I got to the age of 17, I'd done three young offenders and I put yeah. in about 25 convictions. So how many months did you spend in young offenders' prisons? Not, not a lot of time, really. I mean, I was mainly just, it was just theft. Yeah. Mainly from shops. So, I wasn't getting massive sentences, so I was going away that short, sharp shot there, you know, and uh, yeah. obviously clearly well enough because I was coming out committing crime the next day. And were you established in the hierarchy in these places because you knew a lot of people? Was it London based? The, 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 the sentences I did were just outside London, things like Honesty Bay, Blantyre House, yeah. and they were young offenders, now they're men's prisons. Okay. But um, but no, you go there, and, and I remember I was there, there and they shave all your hair off, and it's like a little boot camp, yeah. you know, like you've got to go digging all day, polishing your boots, and it's just like a little bit of a short, sharp shot, they call it. Yeah. But next thing you know, I'm back out of jail, back amongst the gang and you know, it's just all I knew.
0: And what crimes were the,
1: was it escalating to with the gang? The gang thing was probably mainly just theft, you know, like it was probably just just theft from shops and yeah. petty. Yeah. But petty enough to get enough money to buy our uh, drugs and alcohol every day. Yeah. So, you know, all my convictions are just theft. But what happened was as I got a little bit older, we started drinking in pubs. Yeah. So now I'm like eighteen and I'm going in pubs, because we're out of getting pubs, and uh, it was then the crime change, the credit card fraud. Right. So now we're getting people working post offices, and what they're doing is they're obviously corrupt. They go out mm. on their rounds, don't post the, all the letters with the cards, in, bring them down the pub to us, we buy them. Yeah. So now I'm going out, I'm immaculate. I'm like 18 stones, a big strong lad. I should a good head, and I should brew cream <laughs> in. I probably thought I was like a gangster bugs him alone. But now, <laughs> what happens is now, I'm only quite a bit of money now. Yeah, and I live now. I've got you know my own property. Yeah, my mm-hmm. name. I'm earning you know really good money. You know you're going to earn like a grand a day.
0: Yeah,
1: and then I'm drinking in this environment, and it's like right a seedy place, and it's full of villains. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing these guys come in, right, and they're all like the, You know, and I see them put out their Range Rovers, their Bentleys, and I, as a kid, I bought into it. Yeah. I love it. So now what they're doing is they ask they 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 they're going to me can you get suits and all that so I'm going out and buying them all suits so I'm up, they've, they've took me under their wing <laughs> so now I'm sitting there all these villains really well known you know they've all got books out of that now yeah know, a few of them are dead and so it's like the career era? Not, no no them. this is this is well after that yeah. well after, but the 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 offspill of all their friends okay that's not fair so yeah. you got memories they, they take me out of nightclubs
0: yeah.
1: So, all of a sudden, now I'm with my gang, and then when I'm obviously these doormen are seeing me with, with, with all these gangsters, you don't queue up, you go straight to the front, and you get yeah. in. So, then months, years later, I'm going to the nightclubs and they're recognising my face, and I'm just walking straight to the front to queue. Yeah. So, my ego's just <laughs> through the roof. 21 now, I'm the gang leader, I'm being a gang leader doesn't make me the toughest gang leader. So, you're the gang leader
0: though. of your clique?
1: Of my little gang, yeah. yeah. But it's a group of about eight or nine of us, mm-hmm. and we all meet up and we commit all, like, whatever crime we're doing, and then we you know through the week we all see each other. You yeah. have a few that have. F- close than others. Mm-hmm. But if it kicks off with another gang or people, everyone's there within America. what of weapons have you got access to at this point? Well, everyone's got some sort of weapon. Yeah. it so be knuckle dust and knives mm-hmm. and it will be your gang member that, that had a gun somewhere. Yeah. Locally buried. If you needed it. If they needed yeah. it, yeah. But um but mainly it was just like the old fashioned knuckle dust and knife thing. Yeah. So now I'm twenty one, I've got a nice place to live, I've got a personal driver, I don't drive, so one of my gang members picks me up every day, drives me about doing credit card fraud. And I'm getting drunk and stoned every night of the week. And I thought that, you know, that was what I was, I was aspiring to be these, hmm. this feeling gangster. Totally yeah. deluded. But you know, when you're young, your ego's all over the place. Yeah. And then I got involved with, as we know, heroin, which nearly he killed me. what year I, did you get involved in heroin? I'd have been 21. So I'm not sure what that would have been. What I now? I'm 50 coming up now. So. My maths ain't great. Early nineties. Early nineties. So the rave yeah. scenes coming. For the rave scenes. Country, the isn't? rave scenes obviously just coming. You know, it's, it's, it's about. Yeah. These are about. Yeah. I mean, I got involved with a little bit of. I, I, I like the odd pill, mm-hmm. but I was mainly like cannabis and, and and a bit of a bit of LSD and whatever else. But I, so what's happening is now, you know, as I said, that that's it. That's my head mm. and as much money as possible, and living this gangster, plastic gangster lifestyle. Yeah. And then, as I said, I went to this event one night, this party, and then this guy pulled out his pits of metal tin foil in the bedroom, started smoking it, and I got offered it, and I knew what it was, it was heroin. Yeah. And you know what, when I was young, like, probably like yourself, you know, like, if you ever see anyone outside a shop, you see a heroin addicts straight away, you, you thought of needles, mm-hmm. right? And when I was a kid, I ate needles. I was absolutely terrified. I'd go to the dentist, have the injection in my mouth. Yeah. So, and there was always scruffy, filthy, rotten, dirty. You wouldn't give them time of day. Yeah. But, that night, for whatever reason, curiosity, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> <Faithfully. laughs> thinking, thinking I'll be okay yeah. and I tried it and uh, so
0: when alarm bell went off but you
1: overrode that yourself you thought you weren't gonna end up like a guy under a bridge. Yeah it was just it was just that uh, you know me go telling me I'll be alright I'll take it I'll try it and uh, yeah. I tried it and uh, I just knew straight away that evening I'd have it again. Really what made you think that? I just knew the, the feeling it gave me.
0: Really?
1: And you'll be honest with you, when I took it, and I took lots yeah. of drugs from the age of 13 to 21, yeah. lots. Yeah. yeah it happened that every day. Mm-hmm. When I took the heroin, I honestly thought, you know, and I, 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 I don't say this lightly, but I thought I was in heaven. Mm. But you know what, it was actually the gates to hell. Right. Because 12 months later, I'm now five stone lighter. Yeah. I don't eat. My gang do nothing to do with me. Yeah. Because I'm heroin addicts, but we well, get back to them. Mm-hmm. I don't wash, my teeth have gone a funny colour. Um, living in drug dens, my family no longer see me. Yeah. Just in the space of 12 months. Jesus. Right? And that is, you know, so I ended up like that, hearing addict, I presumed, in my head. Yeah. I am now like that. You became that. I'm rotten, I don't wash.
0: Yeah.
1: Over a period of time, within two years, I started to inject. And what i started doing was injecting my hands and i thought i would and then like yeah most people smoke it yeah then i like, had needles snapping off of me i've still got one snapped off in my arm you still got one yeah that's surgery to remove it but it's still there i can feel it under the skin now so <sighs> what happened was then i started using a great big long needle to put in my groin and then what happened was i mean obviously when you know there's lots of pictures on my website of of my legs what yeah. happened was i remember where i kept sort of injecting you meant to like use a needle once chuck it away yeah. But most of the time, I'm living in these drug dens and it's like midnight, there's no needle exchange. Mm-hmm. So I've got one syringe. So at this point, my habit's sort of gone up to probably, at the height of my addiction. I need between 400 pound a day and maybe six. And if you know, if I earn 700 pound, I'll spend it. I'm scared next morning. Yeah. So for me to go and earn as a shoplifter, 500 pounds a day. Yeah.
0: I've
1: got no problem selling this stuff, but obviously I've got to go and nick quite a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I found, obviously, guys were buying stuff off me. You know that they, they would earn vast amounts of money at me because you say you're a fence and you buy stolen goods, mm-hmm. and you say to me, right, Paul, get me a two grand or a Ralph Lauren shirt from Adidas, yes. and I see all the shop. I go to all the most expensive shops, you know, because that's where the best stuff was. And two thousand pounds worth of stuff, when you talk about designer stuff, ain't a lot. Right. You know, you got shirts at hundred quid each, twenty shirts a pole. I just pick them up, walk out the door of them. Yeah. I was quite brazen, <laughs> and i got away with it for years. But all you got memories. I maintain my habit for long periods of time, and I went years without getting caught. Yeah. So I'm nicking two thousand pounds worth of stuff. I'm selling it for five hundred. They're making a, they're making five hundred pounds out of me. So they only asking much money out of me. Yeah. Then I'm going back to these crack dens. and buying two hundred fifty pounds of heroin, two hundred fifty pounds of crack. I'm not eating. I'm not washing. I've got no interest in that. And I'm injecting all night. Are you a lone up. wolf now. The gangs, you know. Yeah, the gang. The gang. The mail gang mail we, ca- we can get back to the gang, but I'm yeah. a lone wolf. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. mini cabs everywhere, you know. So and I'll always have a mini cab outside. So I'll jump in a taxi. Nine times out of ten, the cab drivers know what I was up to. Yeah. But as far as they're concerned, I booked it for an office. So if it comes on top and I get nicked, and they say what's going on, I'll say we don't know. It's just a fair. <laughs> so, I come out, jump in a cab, sell the gear, go to the crack den. Now the crack dens all over the gaff. So I could be in ten different crack dens, ten different nights. It didn't matter. Yeah. As long as I can go to this environment full of addicts just like me mm-hmm. and spend all night injecting. Wow. The what I was, where I was injecting, 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 my legs broke down.
0: Oh and
1: uh, oh. that was my left leg there. I don't see it on camera. So but that was that was quite a good side. The other side was down the bone. I'll show you my legs in a minute, they've not healed up properly. Yeah. But so so at this point, we've got memory at this point now, twenty three years of age. Yeah. My leg is rotten, stinks. Now I don't know what, I guess a dead person smells like. But I knew when I woke up in the morning, I should dress my leg with nappies to soak the blood up. So now the old insides down to the bone. So we got memories. I woke up in the morning, the pain. When I wake up in crack dens, it's like, I'm in my clothes, because these crack ends are like shit It's They're just like, you know, you want to let a dog in there to die. It's just absolutely rotten. So, you know, you've got all the crackies been in the night before. Mm. and there'd be needles everywhere because yeah. they have been injecting so I wake up in the morning and I you want know, to have a quick fix and I'd look and well, I'd been slapping me nut the night before I couldn't remember what needle was mine but you know what I was so desperate it I didn't matter so I'd pick up someone else's needle and, and use it now I, I don't say this lightly I've probably done that three, four hundred times Jeez. over a period of uh, you know eighteen years of addiction so now at this point I'm in trouble mm. because I can't stop my legs hanging off, I'm living in cracked dens. I don't wash, I don't eat. Have you caught anything from dirty needles? No, I've been tested. Yeah, I've been ah, tested. that was lucky. I've been tested eight times for HIV, hepatitis, yeah. I ain't got it. Still got my own teeth, lucky enough, I had yeah. them all cleaned and probably done. But, um, and the doctor once said to me, you know, when I went to hospital eventually, to have all operations, mm-hmm. when, I, when I finally got clean, he went, a miracle it is That's a miracle, he said, "You know the amount of stabbings you got involved. You know, stabbed many times through, through the gang stuff and and, and and with drugs." Yeah. So yeah, at this point, you know, I look back and I think, well, what happened to that little ten-year-old boy, the footballer? You know, was was there? I shouldn't be living in crack dens now. I should be. So you got going, a conscience calling at this point? Well, not a conscience calling. I'm so obsessed with drugs. My whole my whole day's is. I wake up in the morning and I said my legs and It stinks. I have got to change the dressing. I've got to change it, and it's like, you know, with a nappy. Because, what na- you know, nappies were soaking the blood up, and all the pus coming out of my legs. So I have to get up in the morning, and I have to rip this dressing off, or this nappy, and it's just blood pours down, and it's just horrendous. It's a, it's painful. And that's a diaper for the Americans watching yeah. So, So then what happens is, I've now got to go out now and find and Nick, 2,000 pounds worth of good With for your life. leg like that, uh, looking like with a With my leg, stinking. And, and then, you're, you're hobbling along with Yeah, leg. I'm hobbling. And as I'm walking through the day, the more I'm going on, and the, you know, by the end of the day, my, my, my shoes had to fill up with blood.
0: It all ran down your leggings. Ran shoes. down my leggings.
1: So I tempted the blood out of my shoe and it was, it was really painful. Oh. So now we've got to talk about, okay, I'm a full-blown addict. My life is consumed by crack and heroin. Yeah. I'm rejecting it every day. My legs are in a terrible, terrible state. I mean, those are pain. I don't wash. I look awful. I'm death's door. How
0: long have you been, since you took that first heroin has it been since this point now? Uh,
1: well, we're talking just within two years. Within two years, yeah, death's door. Two, store. Three years, death's door. So, yeah, you know, I went on for another 14 years after that. All right? So, that's why I probably, with that video with Brian, was, you was know, nine lives because I shouldn't be alive. So, now, now we've got to talk about the addiction I've got, the illness I've got of addiction. Yeah. The suffering. Now, not only my suffering, my family. Yeah, of course. Yeah? Yeah. So no longer no one sees me and I ain't seen my mum for years. You know, she she I remember she walked past me one down the street, looked at me, ignored me, not on purpose. She didn't recognise me. Because now at this point I've lost half my body weight. I think I went from being 16 stone down to about eight and a half didn't recognise on the street. Um and then, you know, it was just the depths of, lucky enough, over a period of time, probably like yourself, you know, I, I, I mean, I went to prison, now for shoplifting in this country, and that's how I got my money every day, Yeah. you don't get a big sentence. Okay. Custodial's between three months and a year. Sure it's very no, rarely no, you no. get a year. Yeah. So my sentences were between three months and probably six or nine months. You serve half of that. Yeah. But over that period of time, prison, save my life right because when I go to prison I am on death's door I go into yeah. prison I get treated I go a hospital wing <laughs> they feed me I get a job in the jail yeah. technically I have a hot plate in the kitchen all the foods I'm not stupid and you're off
0: the drugs in prison yeah I get a okay. drug free
1: wing yeah because I can't get 400 pounds worth of cracking heroin in prison and inject okay. it you might buy a little 10 bag or yeah. weed
0: yeah. so now
1: I switch off I get in a methadone program come right. off the heroin Yeah. and now I'm in jail and it was like you know I'm putting on weight yeah. yeah, I'm getting a bit of a colour if it's summer. So, really, it's like a bit of an MOT for me. Like it's it enabled run. you for the next round. Yeah. And I, I you know, you know, like yourself in prison, You know, you, know, I'm not sure what it's like in the American judicial system, but you know, I used to get a job, get out of my cell. Yeah. And mine's like that at 10, I'd get a job in the kitchen because mm-hmm. all the grub was there. You know, I love grub. <laughs> you know, I remember, it was quite funny. I've never had a job in my life, right? Yeah. And every job I've ever had was in prison. I've been a barber, I've fucked some haircuts up, too, right? Yeah? <laughs> I've been be a cleaner, I've been a, a painter. And I remember I worked in the kitchen. It was quite funny because I, I, we used to nick big blocks of cheese out of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and the way it was we used to get the boys to come and collect the cheese on the on the trolleys. They'd take back home, yeah. and I used to get back over my wing and chop all the cheese up and swap it for phone cards. So I went from being a cracker <laughs> to a cheese dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Mexican cartel
0: guy stealing cheese from the kitchen where I was housed, and because yeah. it's so hot in the desert, we had to put the cheese in the air conditioning vent. Yeah. Otherwise, it would melt. into like orange
1: juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. As I said, so I went from being not like a cracker to a cheese dealer, but. But, the problem is now, I come out of prison, within an hour, oh, I've been out of prison gate. Straight to the crack house. I'm committing crime, Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm re-offending. Within yeah. an hour, I've been yeah. out of prison. I was, I, was, I, was, I was committing crime in prison, Nick and Cheese, but I'm just <laughs> saying. So, uh, next 10 years, mm. next 10 years, um, you know, it's getting to a point now where every department store in London has got pictures of me really on the wall security pictures because I'm so prolific yeah so now I'm the most prolific shoplifter in London bloody hell so it, it so it was becoming hard work yeah I can't run from security my legs are bad mm-hmm. I've knocked a lot of cab drivers they don't want to pick me up no more too much AG yeah I'm not paying them or you know it's, yeah so it's becoming like well what do I do and it got to the point where my legs are bad you know and and, and from years ago with the gang stuff, mm-hmm. had a gun, started robbing dealers. Mm-hmm. Not a great idea, not a great idea. But I said, that's what we come. That's either. what you did. Started robbing, so robbing dealers with a gun. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. But what happens is now, there's only so many drug dealers you can rob. Yeah.
0: There's and aren't they so putting up some resistance as well. No, not at all. Really. Not at
1: all. Because if I was a drug dealer and someone jumped in the back of my car, yeah. And stuck, you know, a, a, a pistol in my head, whether it be real or fake or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm not going to think, well, is that real or not? I'm just going to okay. give them the stuff. Yeah. So now it's getting to the point where one night I'd robbed some dealers, gone to a crack then stuff I'd robbed. There was two blocks of heroin. Now, when you get drugs off drug dealers over here, mm. in, the, in the UK, especially London, heroin and crack, they sell it together normally. Yeah. So the Drug dealers in London, if they're selling heroin, they sell crack. they're selling crack, they sell heroin. Yeah. So what happens is, it gets to a point where, yeah, that. Mm. We, um, we uh, rob them, I go to this place, open up the bag of drugs. As yeah. I open up the bag of drugs, there's a, a block of herring, mm-hmm. a one ounce block and loads of little wraps. Right. Now obviously they must have just bought it that day yeah. to cut it up and then... It's really pure. Yeah, I've injected it, put it in a spoon. Because <laughs> what you do is when you cook herring up, you get a spoon,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you break off your herring the amount you want, and yep. you put a thing called citric acid in with it, which mm-hmm. breaks it down, then you filter it up through a syringe, then you put your crack in together and you inject it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as I've done that, bang, next thing I know, um, I'm caught at rest. Oh, pure done. Yeah, yeah, done me. Wow. So what I'm was I've ended up I've ended up um, waking up in the back of an ambulance. Oh no. But lucky enough, the guys who was in the crack then have called the paramedics. Yeah. And they've brought me back to life, rushed me, rush me to A and E. And I remember getting to A and E and I had a hospital gowned on. Yeah. And I'd come to then and realise what had happened.
0: Yeah.
1: And they uh, give me a blood test. And I remember the doctor went to me, but you've got to stay in. He said, you know, you've got to set out. I think I'd see me what is blood that Blood poisoning. Then? Okay. Poison my blood. Also I had pneumonia on the lungs, which could kill me. <coughs> and he said, also we're we gonna chop your left leg off. He said, oh, i He said, but if you but he said, if you stay in the hospital, I'll save it. I'll try and save it. Yeah. Yeah? I cut long story short anyway. I eventually, grabbed my clothes and uh, left.
0: Before they had a chance to do your, help your leg? Yeah. You Before just, they do anything. Within so an hour of so
1: him telling me I've, I'm going to die, I'm, I'm, I'm back out because the stuff I'd robbed, <sighs> the drugs, I'd left him in that crack there. He's going to find it. That was him. more important. That was more important. <sighs> probably two rounds of heroin and crack there. So I've gone round to get it, but I just walked past the police station and it was my local police station. And I remember the relationship I had with the police many years ago, it's completely different today, was horrendous. Yeah. You know, I've done some horrific stuff in police cells. Yeah, like you know, what? once I asked for a razor to have a shave before I was going to court. Yep. And I went to the shower room and I uh broke it open, mm-hmm. got the razor out and cut my wrist on each side, then there, there. What motivated you to do that? It was a form of trying to escape to get to the, 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 the hospital. Not what? Uh, no, just escape. So when I get to oh, to life, get
0: transferred like, to the hospital to do an escape to get yeah, back to yeah. life.
1: Yeah, I see. Okay. Then there's other times when I've obviously done the dirty protests. So, but this is what addiction's done to me. Yeah. This is mental health at quite a height, but it's also yeah. normal people don't do that. You know, no. like police custody. So now I'm so desperate. Mm and and so but I know I'm wanted by the police yeah so I've got a choice now I'll go to the drug then die I'll die there like a dog or I'll go into that police station which I've called carnage and give myself up yeah <coughs> so I've got a choice death chance what I do somewhere in my head I had a little tiny little bit of common sense really and I hobbled into a police station and I walked up to the desk and I, I do you know what? I just think I, I couldn't even speak. I just cried. Wow. I went just, just you know, You're beaten. I was mentally still, exhausted. Just, 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 just knew I was going to die. Yeah. And that was my only chance of survival because I knew they was going to arrest me and I'd yeah. be locked up. And my experience tells me from prison sentences when I'm locked up I don't use drugs. Clean up.
0: Yeah. So,
1: and that saved my life. Wow. They did their job. They arrested me. They took me to the hospital. I had three days worth of treatment for the, I had a blood transfusion yep. to get rid of the blood poisoning. I had this thing called like a nebulizer thing on my face to get rid of all the pneumonia in my lungs.
0: Yeah.
1: And then they said, right, you've got to go to court for shoplifting. Mm-hmm. So they put all these charges together in one court. Yeah. And, but I can't walk now. Yeah, I was going to ask next, what's going on with your leg at this point? I can't walk. You can't walk at I all? I can't walk at all now. It's so much pain. So what the, what, what, what the police do, they get a wheelchair and they will me in front of the judge. Yeah. So it's only a shoplifting. So no pre-sentence reports. He looked at me and they said the situation. He went, right, six months in prison. Yeah. Yeah, now you know as well as me. When you go to prison, the first person you probably see before they put you in a cell put you in a wing is a doctor. Right. So he looks at my leg, he went, you can't come into my prison. <laughs> he went, I can't. We can't cut your leg off here. We're not surgeons. <laughs> so we're just normal, like, general practitioners. Yeah. So they took me back on the prison bus. They took me to a hospital in Essex. And they, uh, the uh, consultant came down and looked at me, and i bring him up, we'll, we'll have it off. And they took me out to the theatre, and i just about to cut my leg off. And another doctor said, hold oh, on, I've got an idea. I said, you know, I'm going to put maggots in these legs for a couple of days. And I looked at him, and I thought, I thought not I'd hear anything. And I went, what, well, you see, I'm going to put like, literally hundreds of maggots in your legs to eat all the rotten flesh, the infected flesh, because my immune system was so poor. From from, from from crack. Yeah. The only bikes they would give me weren't responding that well. Yeah. So uh, I'll show you a picture in a minute. So they got all these little tiny maggots in the test tube and they pulled them on. And what so when he said this though, let's go back a sec, go what's going through your head? I'm thinking, I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking, I thought maggots, what are maggots going to do? You know were you, what I mean? were you glad gonna... for
0: it though or was there another option to get you no, in your leg? No there's another option,
1: it was either that or probably lose my leg
0: but so well, do you think
1: there's hope now for my leg yeah yeah yeah, of course yeah, no, yeah yeah, but now I'm thinking what's these maggots so what they do is they send them down within 12 hours they come by courier yeah. so what it was they put them in the wing I was handcuffed the, so they go and they come along in a little test tube hundreds of maggots now we've got memories <laughs> I, I, I learnt this from, from so this is so if you are watching you get a bit of biology lesson here what maggots do in nature Yeah. when an animal dies in whatever environment mm. and sometimes you see them programmes on TV wildlife programmes and you've got the carcass open all the maggots here. you it yeah. Yeah. Well, people think the maggots just automatically come out the body. The carcass, they don't. Mm. The way a maggot gets into a carcass is from flies. So when an animal dies, it gives a rotten scent. Okay. Rotten flesh. Yeah. Well, flies are attracted to that because what they do is they land on it. Yeah. Then they automatically, through nature, lay little tiny eggs. Them right. eggs are maggots. Okay. Them eggs hatch within 12 hours. Yeah. Then that maggot's instinct is to go down the nose or the mouth of a dead animal into its tummy. Whoa. Eat from inside out. Whoa! So, six days later, you've got thousands of maggots in a the carcass. If that threw their way, then obviously on the seventh or sixth day, a maggot actually pupates, turns into a fly. Yeah. Flies off, kinds of with their maggots.
0: Yeah. Got me?
1: That's a cycle, yeah. Huh? <laughs> so, next <laughs> time you see a fly in your bedroom, you know it was once a maggot, yeah? <laughs> so, the maggots in my legs yeah. come from a hospital, they're sterilised. Right. So, they breed them specially for hospitals for wounds. Yeah. So, they pour them on my leg. 100, they mm-hmm. wrap it in a special uh, bandage where the maggots can breathe.
0: Hmm.
1: And then now, first day, nothing. Second day, the bandage starts to move. Yeah, They're getting bigger, they're coming alive, they're chewing. Can you together. feel all that going on? Yeah. Day four, it is horrendous. It stinks because the maggots, I don't know if you've ever smelled maggots, because they have their stomach on the outside of their body. So they have no they have no inter- in, 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 intestine. So anything they eat secretes outside their skin. So all that rotten flesh you're eating at my mm-hmm. legs, you can smell it through the bandage. Yeah, And it was weeping. And it was absolutely rotten. And I used to wake up some mornings while I've been asleep, and there'd be so many. I'd handcuff to the bed, and they'd come wiggling past me. <laughs> I used to have a laugh. I used to have a laugh with the nurses and the prison guards. How could you even sleep? Yeah, it's hard to sleep. to sleep. Yeah, yeah. But I used to have a laugh with some of the nurses and the prison guards, and get them and just like chuck them at something. Kind of <laughs> but fair play to the to the. You know, they were doing their job. So the they're in there, and they're, and they're gonna
0: eventually turn into flies.
1: Yeah. They, they, but they don't turn into flies, okay? Because what they do is they time it right. So what the nurses do is they, yeah. they, have, they, 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 after day five mm. or day four, mm. they take the bandage off. They take me down to the shower room. Yeah. They shower them off. Yeah. And I've got the guards here with me handcuffs on the closet chain. Yeah. So I can't go now, I'm handcuffed twenty-four hours a day. Yeah. They shower the maggots off, and then what they do is they take me straight to the theatre. Mm-hmm. They anesthetize me.
0: Yeah.
1: Take skin off of my bum, or my leg, my good leg. Yeah. put it on my bad leg. Right. So in total, I had 20 operations to save my legs, but uh, yes. I'm not sure what yeah. the pictures here, but.
0: How long did it take to go through all that to actually finally save your leg?
1: In in total, I mean, my legs, I'm, I mean, you know I'm like, I'm coming up for 12 years clean. Yeah. My legs ain't healed properly. Right. I'll show you in a minute. Right. There's a picture of the maggots so I've got to email yeah. over. So this is the, Ooh. this is the, uh, so that's that's the picture of like the maggots, but there's more than that in there. Yeah. Oh. You see that. The school kids gotta go wild when they see these. Yeah, they, 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 it's, it's, but what you remember is they say my legs. Yeah. So at this point now. you got a special affinity for maggots now. I, I don't know, I don't go fishing much. <laughs> i, <have a> <laughs> and I I'll get impatient when I get fishing on <laughs> the So at this point now, I've served my sentence. Yeah. My legs being dressed every day. Yeah. The skin graft has worked, not completely, because it takes time. When the skin graft takes, it takes a while for more skin to evaporate and, and, and spread. Yeah. So now they're not gonna cut my leg off. Mm-hmm. I'm off the drugs, and they took the handcuffs off 12 weeks later. So you've learnt your lesson now? Um, yeah, I've learnt my lesson, but we got memories, when they oh. took the handcuffs off and left, they just walked off. I've served my sentence, so I'm no okay. longer their responsibility. Oh. I'm actually free. Yeah. But I know where to go. <laughs> because no one come to visit me. I put my family through hell. Oh. Nobody come to visit me. So now I'm sitting there thinking, the nurse walked in, the nurse is really good with me. I mean, they were really good with me. You know, I ended up going back after my rehab and bought them flowers and chocolates. You know, they were fantastic. To yeah. play with me, I was never horrible to them. I wouldn't work, but they really took care of me. And I remember, she walked in. She went, poor unfortunately, goes, well, we need the bed for someone else." Yeah. So at this point, that was it. I thought, "Where am I going to go? Uh-oh. Back to the crack?" Then. Oh. You know, that, that. But but I knew, but I did know, if I went back to that place, you know, I, I, I'm probably going to die. So lucky yeah. enough I heard about a place called a Rehab yeah. and I had a friend up there and I'd already went up and got away in Somerset mm-hmm. and I phoned him up, his name is Larry, he said come down. So I crept down there and uh, and it was what a relief. I got to this rehab mm. and I got to this place and it was just full of addicts, alcoholics, all sorts, people from all over the country. It was down in Somerset and do you know what, I think for the first week I probably cried. Yeah because it was just a relief that I didn't have to live like that. I knew there was another way for me. Yeah. So through the, through the rehab, you know, I started working this bit of a programme and, and, and... Lucky enough, it saved my life, it got better.
0: You didn't go back to drugs?
1: No. That and was I'm, it. And, and I'm, and, but, it's, but we're getting back now to... to the, um, the, the... the rest of my gang. Uh
0: oh, oh.
1: Or the gang I was in. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, then they weren't as lucky as me. Right. Because the gang chops and changed. It was a core of about eight. There's always sometimes 12. You had ones that flip mm-hmm. in and out. Mm-hmm. But I do know that the majority, or most of my gang now, uh, three died.
0: Three died. How did they yeah, die? Drugs. Drugs. drugs.
1: Yeah, heroin. Not straight away. Yeah. It took a few decades. Yeah. And I went to a couple of their funerals. Right. Because obviously, by then I got clean and they were still using and their mums invited me. So, so they
0: weren't
1: nice you thing. that could have been you. Yeah, yeah. But it weren't nice to watch my mates get buried by their mums because of heroin. Yeah. Then then, then there's probably three or four, maybe more, mental health. Mm-hmm. And this ain't no genetic thing, this is drug related. Mental yeah. health. Maybe whatever drugs it was, but it's definitely drug related. I see them walking around some of them now. And mm. these were these were young, good looking boys, football, all that you know lads. Yeah. Now you walk around then they're just outside shops, rotten, <sighs> no teeth. Yeah. And then you have got one that got involved with a knife in a pub. Nothing to do with gangs. We had that gang mentality. Yeah. And even carrying a knife from gang life from a kid, never put it down. Yeah. Obviously, you got in a fight one night in a pub. Instead of punching a guy like most people would in the fight in a pub, yeah. stabbed him, killed him, got eighteen years. So <sighs> at least still inside like now. Down, yeah. Wow. So then the bit I'm getting at now is, is that all of us were once kids. Yeah. yeah. Like you. Yeah. At school. Yeah. Now the whole concept, and this is my job and it's your job today, mm. is to educate for yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. And we have a wealth of it, yeah. a wealth of it. Yeah. And we have no magic wand, <laughs> right? But we can go and share our experience with these young people and talk about choice and consequence. Now we're not saying everyone in the world who takes drugs is like drug addicts, they're social drug using, yeah. they're social drinking. Yeah. But then there are some, the likes of me or you, that mm. go off and do what we do and get mm. a bit too involved. And then it becomes a problem. Yeah. And we'll end up in prison or
0: addicts.
1: Yeah. So we just try and give the kids about choice and consequence. Now, you know, you educate many kids, I educate tens of thousands a year. But I'm finding that maybe when I was young, or when you was ten, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe we didn't know what we wanted to do. I was playing football for West Ham, I mm-hmm. never good enough. Yeah. You probably wanted to go off and do something. Was there a missed opportunity? Could my school of just put my academic development to one side for an hour mm. being good-hearted and broad-minded yeah. and got someone like me in, with experience mm-hmm. to share a story, just to change my thoughts on certain things that I'd have got involved with when I got older
0: My drugs education was a pound yeah. frying eggs, this is your brain on drugs That's it? That was it. Wow. And you yeah. look
1: at today, right, and I'll say this to the camera and I've thought about this what I'm going to say
0: yeah
1: alright because I'm not saying it's an emotion impulse
0: yeah
1: I strongly believe if you're an adult being paid annually Mm -hmm. tens of thousands of pounds Mm -hmm. to work with young people yeah and you or your colleagues that may be in a high position you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: don't book someone to come in with experience yeah and speak to them about what is going on outside the school gate knife crime drugs gangs guns alcohol yeah then I believe you don't do your job properly. Right. Because there's a thing you see, and I googled Google it, and I show you my phone, right, and I've done a bit of research, done a bit of work on myself, it's called egotism, do you know what it means?
0: Yeah, you get these decision makers that think they know it all. Well,
1: this is what egotism means, so for those who uh, don't know what it is and you're watching this, and I Googled it, I'll tell you. My reading ain't great, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> egotism means, right, yeah, it means self-interest, selfishness, self-seeking, self-serving, Self regard, self absorption. So if you're working with young people and you definitely can't be bothered to get someone in to speak to them yeah. about all the stuff that we see on the news every day, all the stuff you've seen and you've witnessed some horrific stuff, other horrific influence, then you suffer with that. Yeah. Egotism, self. Yeah.
0: They're causing kids to die who would eventually, could have been dissuaded from going down that
1: lifestyle. Are we missing opportunities? We're not missing them, we're not being given them. Yeah. And lucky enough, you built a yeah. portfolio like I have. Yeah. And I'll probably 80% of the work I do or the schools I visit rebook me each year because they see the impact it has on social media yeah. you look at your platform of, yeah. of, of, of Twitter constantly kids saying thing. Yeah. Instagram my Instagram is quite bigger than my Twitter and you've got kids constantly going on there after you do a workshop as I go back to, we have no magic wand but what we do have is a story to tell that may change someone's life yeah put a price on that yeah that is, is it, uh, so how does one and I don't slag off any one that works with kids you know you're not a kids fair play but what I find is if you've got a thousand kids in the school and you've got one head teacher and they refuse to let someone like me and you go in to mm. educate these kids yeah then you look and you think where well, does one man or woman from a middle class background mm-hmm. with no experience of what's going on outside the school gate decide yeah whether someone can go in and give these kids a healthy positive yeah not negative mm-hmm. workshop yeah. around choice and consequence
0: yeah that one person is vested with that power. And I've tried to analyze the psychology of these people. Um, some of them feel that their kids are above hearing our stories because they're never gonna, there's no drug problem at this school I've heard. <laughs> when, when half of the young people in this country experiment with drugs, some are in a bubble themselves and they look at us as kind of a, a threat. We're gonna go in there and say things that parents are gonna complain about and they don't wanna run the risk of having us in there. Yeah. You know, taking the kids out the bubble, but what we're doing really is inoculating them. They have to, you know, hear the, the high end of it, the hard end of it. Otherwise, they're not going to have the full
1: inoculation later on. Let's look at. I mean, i talk about anything with kids. Yeah. When I go into school, you probably specifically around the drugs and whatever. Mine's everything from knife crime to gang drugs, all the stuff so like. Did you rest. have separate talks for each topic, no, like no, a knife no, crime talk a drugs talk? No, or, I go in like you and i get given assembly by the time i get in for registration sit them down you get 50 minutes i do yeah? 15. 50. Or oh, 50, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get 50 minutes by the time we yeah, get him in, yeah? Yeah, yeah? So I do five a day normally. So I'm trying to convince wow. schools now <laughs> to say, right, yeah. let's do five assemblies, year 7 to 11. I try and convince them yeah. to put two year groups in one. Yeah. So you can talk to a thousand kids a day. So it's a numbers game for me, like it is for you. Yeah. Don't invite me to talk to just one year group and I can talk to five, because every yeah. kid in your school matters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But what happens is, the shit is the fan at year 10, kids are going out, behaviours are changing, they're going to parties, it's yeah. not ice cream and jelly no more like year 7, and yeah. they're coming in with the behaviours, the school panic, and go, let's get the year 10 spoken to. Well, what about year seven? Yeah. Because your year tens one, so creating egg, yeah. once year seven. Yeah. So your year sevens, when I get to year ten, they're going to start creating. Mm-hmm. So you want to stabilise that situation, reduce it, and then early intervention. Yeah. So what happens is now you're going to schools, but as I said, it's just that, you know, I talk about everything I can within mm-hmm. that fifty minutes from my experience, like I've you in the yeah. past forty minutes, yeah, the descent from wanting to be this plastic gangster yeah. to the descent of addiction mm-hmm. to coming out of it. But didn't get off lightly. Yeah. Because at 12 years clean and sober, nearly, uh-huh. I've still got needles stuck in my arm. I've got medication that I have to take every day for the blood clots in my legs. Yeah. And then I still dress my legs daily. Yeah. So this one here, I don't know if you can see on camera, this one here is like, that's, that's, that's from, uh, that's, that's alright, this Whoa. one healed in the end. And then you've got this one here that I dress every day. Jesus. Yeah. And that one's Whoa. all spiraled up there. And I have to dress it every day. And this was only happening, this picture, I don't know if you can see it on the camera, but I'll email them over. This hasn't happened, lucky enough, this year, but it was, uh, it was not far off uh, a couple of years ago. Even being like 10 years clean, it was still bleeding under that hole. I don't know if you can see that or not. Wow. So I'll come out of it, it's one of the roses. Yeah. <laughs> And you look, you know, I've come out of it with no HIV. Oh, I've got a couple of holes <laughs> in my legs. I'll like show the kids. At this point, I'm showing the kids and they're like, wow, you know, it's like pretty horrific. But yeah. it just shows you the true nature of deep addiction. Yeah. And then to come out of it, not just clean and sober, you know, I, I, I woke up, spiritually woke up. decided yeah. to look at life differently, you know, and learn about, you know, how I feel, how I think. And probably everything today is new to me. I was yeah. so numb from drugs and alcohol for so long, I didn't know nothing about life. Yeah, you know, I didn't pay my first bill till you know I was like in my thirties mm-hmm. and all that. You know, everything mm-hmm. was just geared around like, you know. And then I learned about my ego and like, probably like you did. You know, I needed a bit of yoga and that. And you learned about. Did you have to go
0: deep inside yourself and understand why
1: you got so heavily into heroin? I didn't really. I, I, do you know what it was? I probably just suffered with because addiction needs more. Yeah. So once I started getting something, I wanted more of it. It's not like when anyone got clean. I, I needed to fix myself with other stuff. Because a lot of
0: the people I met in prison, they had some kind of trauma. Yeah. And they were getting treated like animals in prison and brutalised and more trauma. And the heroin was kind of like that cushion against that trauma. Yeah. Did you feel the trauma or stress
1: as a young person that the heroin made that go away? My mum and dad split up when I was quite young. Okay. That might have... Now, I'm asking myself this question, I've asked it a few times. If I wanted and split up, would I have still picked up the cannabis which led to the heroin? Now, we're not saying everyone who takes cannabis becomes a heroin addict, but if you meet a lot of heroin addicts, like you have, and you ask what was their first drug of choice, most of them ain't gonna say heroin. Most of the heroin addicts I've met, in my time, many, if you ask them what was their first drug of choice, so was it in me, just as in my nature, that I was going to just wanting more drugs once I started that first lot? Yeah. And then found the ultimate, which is the pinnacle of any drug, which is heroin. Yeah. Which can take you to a very dark place, as we know. Yeah. So but I'm not too sure on the psychology bit behind that, you know, where I went from that 13-year-old boy to that heroin addict.
0: So you were 13 when they divorced?
1: 10. Because that is
0: a huge trauma psychologically on a kid, is to have your parents. Because they're your gods at that age, yeah. aren't they?
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's your, wor- your whole world is destabilised. Yeah. The- was it a possibility? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And you do say that you know lots of addicts they do have a, a traumatic time when they were young, but before that, when they were together, it was it, life was okay. Yeah. But I'm ten. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know nothing about drugs. I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah. But then come secondary school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they were there. They were available. Yeah. So then we go back to that. Should I be made aware that if someone would have come to my school and said, "Well, do you know what? I got involved with this. I did this, and then I ended up here." Is a possibility this could. Happen to you, it might not. Yeah. Was I willing to take that risk?
0: Yeah. I had a choice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and as you know, look at the stuff we we're talking about earlier before the cameras went on about the American judicial system. How many people being arrested a year or banged up?
0: Almost a million a year for weed possession, just to fill the private prisons up. Sick. And then they get in jail and prison where ninety percent of shooting up heroin. Yeah.
1: So you look, you so you think right? So every eight out of ten prisoners in America. I mean, for drug-related crime, or they've
0: got drug habits. Yeah, something like that. Or they, get, they, they might, Yeah, they, they get in there and they, they become uh, addicted. They go from weed to heroin, and they join the neo-Nazi gangs, get the swastikas on the yeah. foreheads, make their criminal connections, and they're ruined. But the gang knows if they put a swastika on the forehead, they get out, they're not going to get a job to come back to the gang. Jail knows, don't give them any rehabilitation or help them. Let it be gang and drug-infested. They get back out, come back to the jail. $50,000 a year as soon as they come back.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah, that's the American way. So, is it, it trying to introduce here? So, does it all boil down to money? Yeah, it's all money. Costing like billions of dollars in contracts and, and see, when I go to young offenders, I, mean, yeah. I know you go to some prisons in the country as well. But when I go to prisons, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure what it costs a week to keep a young offender in prison. Oh, it's a
0: lot in this country. It's it's, it's like
1: thousand pounds a year, which is almost right. hundred thousand dollars. Well, I went and spoke to ten prisoners. Yeah, in Feltham, two weeks ago, see yeah. on my Twitter, and uh, they're all serving over a year. So, that's £700,000, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. It's £1 million, then, if yeah. you're a taxpayer. £1 million, just for 10 prisoners. Yeah. There's hundreds in there. And you know, 8 out of 10, were in for drug and alcohol-related crime. Yeah. So, then we go back to that, right? Prevention. They were 10 once. Yeah. So, maybe them 10 kids would have been spoken to, so someone like us. Yeah. And three of them, or 30 of them, out of the hundreds that were in there, wouldn't be in prison today. That'd be saving the taxpayer millions. Yeah. But there's huge money and locking people
0: up, and politicians, do <laughs> oh, yes. politicians ever come to your talks? Never. I've had politicians come to my talks and they get high on the emotional impact and they promise the world at the end of it and I never hear from never them again. Because yeah. they don't want to be seen to be soft on crime, yeah. helping people soft
1: on crime. Yeah. Well I, I, I just know that from my experience, what I, what I see, what I've witnessed, what the media Chucks out to us and yeah. a lot, There's a lot more stabbings. I do talks with uh, surgeons in uh, Bart's Hospital. Yeah. And the Hems team, helicopter team, and, they, and if 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 if, if, uh, if a stabbing that's fatal, it goes public. Yeah. It's news. If it's not fatal, you won't hear about it. The amount of stabbings that are happening is incredible, and yeah. I strongly believe that you know uh, all this gang stuff, all this knife crime stuff mm-hmm. is. The majority of it is related to drugs.
0: Absolutely, it's a function of, of yeah. gangs competing for drug profits, black market profits.
1: Yeah. 100%. I mean, if yeah. I live in North London, all of a sudden I've got, uh, and I'm a drug dealer, and I've got 50 people that buy drugs off me every day, and then within a couple of weeks, 10 of them go missing. And I think, what's happened to them? Yeah. Then I find out a little firms come on the firm, my area, yeah. they've started selling drugs, better deals, so I'm, they're taking money out of my pocket. Yeah. So everyone's getting angry with each other, and they're all running around there, these young kids, right, nicking a few quid. and and starting to stab people. So I will not say every stab is drug related, but the majority. So if you can steer as many kids as possible Mm. away from drugs or drug dealing, it's very unlikely to become a gang member. Mm -hmm. They won't want to carry a knife. And they'll go on and live a decent, honest life, go to university and become, Mm -hmm. what the whole concept of a school is, productive member of society. Yeah, they'll have life lessons. So I don't believe we'll ever stop this gang thing. I don't think, definitely won't stop drugs. The knife crime thing seems to be increasing. Yeah. So what do we do? We try and stabilise it. But yeah. it might take 10 years to stabilise it. More education, less incarceration. Well, look, how many 10-year-olds now in, in, in the world right, yeah. are addicted to heroin? Very, 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 very few. Yeah. Are none. How many 10-year-olds in the world now are alcoholics? Hardly none. Yeah. How many 10-year-olds in the gang carrying a knife, a gun? None. Yeah. So why not the world then waking up in certain countries where it's possible yeah. and giving these 10-year-olds? Because I've got a few schools in America follow me. Mm-hmm. They call them superintendents, don't they? Out there. Yeah. And they follow me, and I, sometimes you flick through and you look through their social media platform and you see them giving kids talks around you know, food and whatever else. But, And I looked over the six weeks holiday. I know we've just come to the end of it, and it's an academic year now. And I looked, and I follow lots of people, like you do, mm-hmm. who work with kids, young people, and over that whole six weeks holiday, they were putting on those events—yeah, cricket, football, rugby. But I never see one around knife crime. Yeah, I never see one around gangs. I never mm-hmm. see one around drugs. Yeah. So you look and you think, okay, I'm not judging these people. They might be doing it and not posting it. Uh-huh. But they're posting everything else. So surely if they done a little, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: If you look at the leaders of the country and how it filters down, they don't address the root causes. Yeah. There's not money in that for them. Yeah. There's money in just when things happen. We'll just assign contracts as they happen. Yeah, we'll lock people up and we'll make money off the back of that. Addressing the root causes, it'll take so long. They're in power for so many years. Who cares? They don't yeah. care. You know that's their attitude. Egotism. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for those of you watching, I don't know what egotism is, mm. yeah, right? And I don't mean to offend anyone. who works with kids. Cause I believe you know you, you're probably doing it for the right reason, but you might be suffering. With egotism and you're not aware of it. Yeah. And have a look at it. They look, up, look it up on Google what egotism means. You know, is your bank balance uh, far greater than this kid's personal well being?
0: Yeah.
1: What's the most common question the kids ask you? All sorts of, about my legs really. Do my legs. About your up. legs. Yeah. And I got my daughter back in my life. I'm not sure if you're That's aware. That's good um, yeah. after, You know, I, 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 I had a girlfriend. Yeah. She took me back, relapse took me back, relapsed, had enough of me. Yeah. But the last time she. Got rid of me chucked mm-hmm. me out i got pregnant
0: mm-hmm. I
1: remember being in prison and uh lying on my bed in a prison cell and the, the, the guys come in with a letter give me the letter i opened it and it was for my girlfriend ex-girlfriend joanne yeah and i read it and she went i'm still pregnant please please let me come and see you you know i'll give birth in two weeks wow but i had a week left to serve yeah. she was desperate to see me in that pregnant state yeah and she came all the way from essex i remember i'll never forget and they took me down to the visiting hall and oh. i was sitting waiting for her and she came walking through it was a red hot day yeah. So she travelled like two and a half hours, bless her, yeah. on a train, eight and a half months pregnant, to come visit me. Yeah. With a little bit of hope because she knew I had a week left. Yeah. And she came walking up to me, she looked beautiful. She's all mm-hmm. big and fat, like pregnant fat. And she had long, <laughs> long, curly hair. I mean, she looked stunning. I sat down, she cried, I gave her a kiss and a cuddle, and I had one hour with her. Yeah. That's what I give you in Penny yeah. In an hour, she went, promise me, when you get out of prison next week, you'll never touch drugs again. you be there for the birth, mm-hmm. and you get a job, and we we'll live decent. Yeah. And. I, as you know drug free wing in prison mm-hmm. and I promised Yeah. and I was convinced I said oh, I'm gonna, I, 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 you know, I love you I'll get out I'll be the best dad ever and I'll give her a kiss goodbye and she had that another two and a half hours journey back so it took a five hours round trip to come and see me for an hour up let's say yeah. went back to my cellmate. I went oh mate she had the best visit you know you go over in a high yeah Seven days later, they opened my door, took me to reception, as you know, when you get out of jail, I'll give you back your property, and they give you a discharge card right in this country, so they give you uh, an envelope with 55, 60 pound in it. So I thought, well, yeah. first thing I'll do, leave the prison, go to a flat, drop me clothes off, mm-hmm. give it a 50 quid for the baby, mm-hmm. for nappies and milk, and then get a job. Yeah. But when they took me to reception to let me out of prison, there were six other prisoners there, and one of them I knew him he was a crackhead. Oh. So I went off with him, spent the money on drugs, oh. and uh, yeah, I never turned up within an hour I'm out spending discharge grant within two hours on committing crime that night I was in a crack then and I'll never see her again yeah so a week later she gave birth to my daughter and I struggled and brought up all by myself. oh my goodness and and you know and I think when it was about my daughter was about five or six mm. I heard through the grapevine that she met a fella yeah and she married him right so my daughter eventually got brought up by him and, and today she calls him dad yeah which well, is fair play, you know, fair play to the guy, you know, absolutely, why not? You know, you, you were, you've done a good job with her.
0: Yeah.
1: But then I moved. Well, that's got to
0: hurt a bit though, here, yeah. Yeah, oh it? no, of course,
1: yeah, yeah. of course. I'm clean now and I'm thinking, well. But when I moved back to Essex, from my rehab, mm-hmm. when I moved back eight years ago, mm-hmm. I started doing this work. She lives in Essex, We big place, a place called Romford. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I looked her up, I heard she had a stepdad's last name, so I looked her up on Instagram and Twitter and I, and I found out what she looked like. and She's, you know, nice, nice looking girl, pretty girl. So I knew what she looked like. Yeah. So. A couple of years later, wherever it was, I'm, I'm, I'm in my hometown Saturday afternoon and like, I, I see her in a coffee shop. Wow. And then like, she's sat in there and, like, and I'm looking, and all of a sudden a uh, stepdad come in and got her and they, they were shopping together. Yeah. And that was where my past hit me. Yeah. Because that should be technically me with her Saturday shopping, I'm a dad.
0: Yeah.
1: And it upset me a little bit. Of course, not angry.
0: Yeah.
1: Just upset, angry at myself. Yeah. For Guilt for not being Yeah, uh, guilt. Anyway, as you know, I've got a website, Right, you, I get bookings yeah. from different schools. A few days after that, I got a booking from a school called Sacred Heart in Essex. Or girls' school, can you come and do a Year 10 assembly next week? Yeah. Well, I found out that was my daughter's school, <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was Year 10! No. So I thought, wow well, man, I they I had no idea I was her dad, different second names. So I thought, I've got to let her mum know, show her my ex. But I didn't have her number, so I went on Facebook and I got a friend of a friend together. I thought, oh, yeah. she peed off with me and I phoned her up and she was alright at me. Yeah. She said, listen, the day you're going to her school, she ain't going to be there that day. Okay. She's at another school down the road doing work experience. Right. Sixth form. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have considered letting you say hello to her. So I thought, how's my luck? So I turned up at my daughter's school a few days later, done the big assembly like you do, walked yeah. out the school gate at lunchtime to go home. Yeah. Walking out the school gate, walking down the road, all the sun come, walking around the corner, my daughter. Now let me tell you something, I speak to probably 60, 50,000 kids a year. Kids don't scare me, like you, don't scare me. Yeah. This 15 year old girl, I'm terrified. Because one, I'm thinking, I don't want to scare her. Mm. I've got to walk up and say hello. The rejection. Yeah. Yeah, All Right. Yeah. So now my heart's beating through my chest. This is a spontaneous. Now, and, and I've got seconds to, 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 to react. She's getting closer and closer, I'm getting closer. only me her on the street. And it's like I was in this bubble. And she's getting closer and closer and she's slowly coming towards me. And I thought, how do I approach it? Oh. And, I, and I walked up to her, and I just went, "Ria." And she looked at me, and she went, "Yeah, who are you?" And I introduced myself. I'm me, dad, Paul. And to be honest with you, she gave me a little hug. We stood there for five minutes, and we spoke. And what we spoke about, I can't remember. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I, was like I was, you know, I was just, in days, days. Yeah. I was starstruck. Yeah. Looking at her, I could see myself in her. And she, and, but, was,
0: but she received you well.
1: She received me well because yeah. she learned about me through. Going to other schools, her friends have probably made her a little bit okay. aware, that, you know, because I used to speak about having a daughter. So she yeah. think she's, and I was such, such a hire, I rushed home, Now I yeah. can't, I didn't go to school. So I yeah. am writing as like a five-year-old. So I was mm-hmm. looking like a bit of a div. Yeah, I had to Google loads of words and copy them. I've done, done this letter, it took me hours. A normal person done did it in half hour. it took me about four hours. But it was an amends letter, yeah. an apology. Yeah. And I said, dear Ria, it's brilliant to see you at school today. I'm off the drugs, I'm not in a gang anymore you know I got in a bit of trouble when I was young you know I behave myself today and you know I, I live decently um, I'd love to see you again yeah you know and at the bottom I put like PS and I, and I got a bit brave I put like love your dad Paul yeah. and then I put my address and my phone number I said write to me or text me they did the boy in her court mm-hmm. so I managed to through I'm friendly with my um, daughter's nan so I got the address Joe's yeah. address and I posted it so now I'm impatient, two, three days, a postman's coming, no letter, I'm checking my phone, no text, a week went by, nothing. Yeah. So after a week I thought, she must have read the letter by now, so I sent it through my request on Facebook. You know, I got a bit cheeky and got no reply. Two weeks went by, nothing. So after two weeks I thought, well that's it, she's, she's read the letter by now, and she decided she don't want to see me. So at this point. Did you cry during any of this right no, lot, not No, not, not cry, but it brought yeah. up a lot of stuff for me. Yeah. I probably want it to cry when I see her step-dad because that's when it hit me. Right. But now, I'm on this roller coaster for the next two weeks, yeah, wondering yeah. if she wants to see me, don't want to see me, checking me phone, the postman's come in. So two weeks have gone by, you know, people receive letters with 24 hours.
0: Yeah.
1: She's had a friend request on Facebook, not replied.
0: Yeah.
1: So what am I thinking? Rejection. She don't want to see me? Yeah. She's got yeah. a dad. Yeah. Anyway, on day 15, and my phone rings, pick it up, it's Joanne, my daughter's mum. Yeah. You know what, Paul? what's wrong? She went, don't worry, nothing's wrong. We just got back from holiday. We've been oh. away for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> We've been away for two weeks in Greece, wherever it was. I that went, was your punishment? Yeah, that was my punishment. <laughs> she went, Ria's read your letter Yeah. this morning. Would you like to take her out next week for something to eat? Wow. And I was like, when she said it to me, it was like, my heart just felt up. And yeah. it was just like, do you know what? And I, 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 a week later, I picked my daughter up. Well, I met her. To her and we Went through a lot of cheeky nandos, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, and ever since that day, now I've been seeing her what is it now? have been seeing her for like seven years now. Has she seen you do it talk now? Yeah, yeah. How oh, did that her, feel to have her in the audience? Yeah, I was aware she was there because her school yeah. invited me back every year, okay. and her stepsister goes to the same school. Yeah, so when they let me speak to her stepsister, she yeah. asked, She come in with she was six one at the time to watch it, and all the kids knew this is her yeah. daddy. Oh, the tears and that, it was really emotional. And I do these talks every day like you do, but when you've got your daughter in the back and you, finished, you finish you finish your talk like that, yeah. the kids are in floods of tears. So my daughter grew up for five years with no dad, now she's got two. Yeah. So yeah. fantastic. And you know yeah. what? Fair play to the man who brought her up, you know, fair play to him, definitely, you know, good man. And yeah. today, I honestly believe I pay tax, I pay my bills. <clears throat> I've not been in any trouble in twelve years. I've yeah. raised my voice three times in 12 years. I'm really yeah. chilled out, guy. Yeah. Honestly, I don't need to scream and shout. And again, you know, I'm a very private man, and I just, you know, my, my own business. You know, I know my area and what people go to. It's not my business. So yeah. I just want to pay my bills, go work, go to the gym. You know, and educate a few kids, mm-hmm. and hopefully stop some living like the likes of me, yeah. and end up in places like you did. Yeah. And you know, that's enough for me today. Yeah. You know, no magic ones. Just wake up with a smile on your face. And yeah, and I believe now, like you, I've been doing this job eight years, hundreds of thousands of kids. I've got quite a big portfolio. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, it kicks off this week, then it next week for academic year. The new kids going in, so probably like you, I start getting busy. Yeah. And as I said, you know, it's uh, the proof, the reason you get re-invited back to schools, and mm-hmm. I get re-invited because the kids go away, and if you want a case study. Mm-hmm. where their money's going to go and our time feed yeah. your social media Yeah. look exactly. at the comments you all get the from the kids yeah yeah because yeah. we don't we don't you know the kids put them on there yeah. they go into a school spontaneous they go on your probably YouTube they look at all your videos yeah. which we did with, with Brian yeah. you know yeah, true and it goes a bit more into detail because you only get 50 minutes Yeah. and it goes an hour and a half some of them Yeah. and they look and they can make their own mind up about life can't they exactly
0: let me ask you this then if your daughter's come to you and said, Dad, you know, my mate's smoking a bit of weed, I was thinking about going on, having a bit of weed on a weekend with them, um, what would you say to her? Truthfully? Yeah.
1: I would sit her down. Yeah. Yeah, right, and talk about, well, that, as a grown woman now, at 22, Yeah. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. I'd rather you not do it as a parent, yeah. you know, because, you know, I don't know if she's got my nature in terms of... But thank God, and I thought about it, she doesn't. She doesn't drink. Yeah, she works in the city. She's got a really good job. She's in Barcelona at the minute, you wow. know. and Yeah, we're friends, and and lucky enough. But you know, as an adult, as a twenty-two-year-old girl, yeah, you know, I think she she'd have decided by now. And yeah, that been no choice as her dad's. Yeah, and I can't, you know, tell exactly what not to do or what to do, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't advise it to her. But then again. You know, no disrespect. I, I I know lots of people take drugs. Yeah. They socially take drugs. Yeah. Well, almost, most most people do yeah. they get up and they yeah. go yeah. to work. Yeah. But yeah. then there are lot, there are some people. Yeah. The like me, mm. who end up living in crack dens.
0: Yeah.
1: And come out of it for of injuries. Well, well, I think the thing between me
0: and you is we take things to extremes. Yeah. 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 And that's a small percent of the population who've got that addictive tendency who goes all out and destroy themselves.
1: Of course. Yeah. So, we go back to that old cliche, when you go to kids and you see the comments on their social media, my Instagram and that, yeah. kids say you woke me up. You know when I speak to, I don't to speak to kids as young as eight, yeah. year four. Year four, yeah. And people say, oh, that's way too young, some people. <laughs> so that might be the only talk they ever get. Yeah. I went down to uh, Bradford, just for the six weeks holiday. All the way down to Bradford, right? Yeah. yeah. A 10-hour round trip from London <laughs> to do one assembly
0: yeah.
1: with 250 Primary school kids. Wow. Yeah, four, five, six. What the hell? They all sat in the hall on the floor. And i done the talk show, all the pictures. Yeah. And you know, it's like when they get a bit old, they're a bit reluctant to ask questions. The primary school kids don't care. Yeah. And I said, Any questions? <laughs> I said, Any questions? You know, my hands went up. 250. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. And they was at the maggots and they yeah. were laughing and they, like, yeah. they were fascinated with it all. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for them when they do get an opportunity, like you'll yeah. be able to get involved with what I did to to have a little think about it, uh, you know, it's impossible physically to stab someone if you ain't got a knife in your pocket. Yeah, it's impossible to become a drug addict if you don't take drugs. Yeah,
0: let me ask you this: the kids sometimes ask me, "Do I still consider myself a drug addict?" What would you say to that?
1: Yeah, I am still technically I have that that I don't use drugs. Yeah, but I still have that uh, uh, nature. And I had to learn, so I was getting to the bit about when I stopped taking drugs. Yeah, I've, I I attach myself to things like gambling. Okay, like food yeah. and things like that. Yeah, and then obviously you know I stopped gambling years ago, and then obviously I stopped overeating, and yeah. so them tendencies to fix myself mm-hmm. were still there. Yeah. So I'm always going to have that addictive personality, but I you know I go to these groups
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I sit there and we talk. Which is really good for my mental emotional health. Yeah. Because you're doing a lot, I do a bit of mental health now. What is mental health? You know, I mean, everyone's found this word about mental health. What is it? Obviously, it's your poor way of thinking, poor way of feeling, because the connection's there, isn't it? Yeah. You know, thought, feeling, feeling, thought. What comes mm. first? Well, a lot of people let their emotions control them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I know you do a bit of yoga and that, don't you? And all mm. things like that. Mm. So if I can, you know, if I run on feelings all day, you know, feeling sorry, because we're good at it, human beings, wallowing yeah. in self pity up poor me. But I've worked out you know what some days i get up and for no reason i do feel like shit but you know what i do i don't sit there and turn my phone off and feel sorry for myself mm-hmm. i pick my phone up yeah and i call someone mm-hmm. and i go for a coffee yeah. i talk to them not like, just with you for an hour, mm-hmm. and the rest of my day is great
0: so you've got that sense of community yeah what the therapist told me was if you give a, an addiction up you've got to put something in its space and there's nothing wrong with channeling energy to positive addictions like martial arts yeah. public speaking yeah. You know, stuff that um, gets that adrenaline going. Of course, in we need to way. fix ourselves. Yeah. everybody
1: needs a fix. Yeah, whether they get it from whatever. Yeah, but I found the stuff we were trying to get it from could have nearly, could have nearly, you know, nearly killed me. So where do you
0: get your fix now? Gym. Yeah. What do you yeah. do at the gym?
1: Uh, weights. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm 50 years of age. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, uh, I'm addicted to trainers and clothes and. <laughs> 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 it's been a bit addicted to crack. You know? Yeah. So, but um, I'm taking care of myself. And how's your leg with the weights? That's alright it know, of, yeah. It's good it's the leg doing per- the work. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it looks worse yeah. than what it is. Yeah. Right, it's still got a hole in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I still take medication. Yeah. And I get a bit of pain some days in my right one, it swells up. My left one, I can't feel it. It's all numb. All the nerves right. are gone. But you know what? I put my shorts on and get my legs out. Yeah. They cost £1.5 million. I might as well get them out and show them off. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> Most expensive legs in London. <laughs> 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 but on the flip side of all of it, yeah. From there may be people watch this video and probably watch your videos and my videos mm-hmm. and we get a really good response, no we do. Yeah. And there might be some people, right, you know, give us a bad comment, that's okay, because if everyone bad comment I get, I get. It's a sign, sign of that. success that you've got trolls. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay because we're, you know, I, I'm not doing this for any other reason apart from just to try and stop as many kids as possible yeah. living in crack dens. Yeah. I'm trying to stop as many kids as possible sticking knives in each other. Yeah. And you know, as I said, I, you know, I, we're not magicians. Mm. We have no magic wand. Yeah. But give us an opportunity to speak to some young people. Yeah. And we might give them a better chance in life of not end up in these places that end up. Yeah. You know, as I said, it's, uh, and, and the evidence is there in black and white in the platform of social media we've got. Have you seen a lot of people get stabbed?
0: Yeah. The gangsters.
1: Have With you got, have you got any,
0: any stories from that? Like any? have I did see in prison once.
1: Yeah. I see a horrific thing in prison. Go like for you it. Have, yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it. Um mixed-race guy named Lloyd yeah Pentagon prison and I bumped into him i done 15 sentences all yeah. short and sweet in London how much time total then did you do two you years say? two years yeah, Not a yeah. Lot. okay but is, is it racial racial cliques here, like gangs and stuff? Or what, drug, dr- drug gangs, drug gangs. No, do you know what? So you know American prisons, you get that yeah. because they're serving a hundred years. Yeah. In, in, in English prisons, you probably get boys, the Essex boys, that hang about with each other on the yard. Yeah. You get the uh, North London boys hanging about with each other on the yard. So it's gangs by area. So it's not it's not, it's not it's not really yeah it's not really I mean what you got to remember is it's not really like gang gangs but people from your area I see. Hang about of in jail. Yeah. So and you know what it's like when you go out with jail, you don't want to be a loner. No. Yeah, you got to be part of a group. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that what we were getting at is about what was we getting at? Lloyd. Yeah, Lloyd. Yeah. yeah. So what's happened is, when you're on a drug-free wing, normally in prisons, mm-hmm. they call it R wing. Yeah. You uh, get a single cell.
0: Yeah.
1: And you get out more. You're not on all day. Yeah. And, they, and so you do groups on there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what happened was, even as a drug-free wing, you get drugs on there. Yeah. Yeah. And what I mean is Lloyd had come across from another wing to get on the drug free wing, but he's got in debt on another wing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're in debt. Yeah. So you know there's not really nowhere to run unless you go on obviously protection. Yeah. So there's a guy, I ain't gonna say his full name, but I'll just say his first name. He's, he's dead now, Noel, an absolute lunatic in yeah. the prison system. And he's come across and he's caught him on the wing. Because he had a hospital wing at the bottom. Yeah. So Noel's bumped it and, and he's gone up the stairs. I've come back from exercise. Yeah, he's come out of his cell, and when I've looked, uh, Lloyd had a, a gash. Yeah, from there oh to there. Wow. And what Noah done? He'd been paid by the drug dealer to go and collect the debt. Yeah, claim, yeah. Because he know was addicted to drugs, and the air ambulance come. They locked us all up. You know they do. Looked of like off. he was dying then. Yeah, bleeding to death. Bleeding to death. But never heard nothing again. Yeah. We knew what it was, apparently the weapon was, because uh, then they don't do it now in prisons, it was, uh, You know, a lid of a tin of beans, or wow. throw, penny in a half, yeah. sharpened in the yard or yeah. bricks and sliced in. Yeah. Two years later, I'm in another prison, mm-hmm. uh, Belmarsh, yeah. and I bump into Lloyd in the wing. Right. That I was in jail with two years before. All stitched up. Ah, oh, four hundred and eighty stitches. <laughs> and there, there, air ambulance come and got him, took him off, and he bled to it. death. It's a blood transfusion in the air ambulance uh, and everything. Wow. So obviously you've witnessed probably a lot more, you know, in in America. Yeah. But that's but that was over, like probably fifty pound heroin debt. Yeah. In yeah. People get killed <laughs> over that, do <number. laughs> It's like. <laughs> What, know, what other
0: um, horrific stuff did you see in the prisons and jails? I was just <laughs> say,
1: I, I worked on a servery in the... Because where I was on the rehab wing, yeah. You had the hospital underneath. Yeah. So I got a job on the hot plate serving food. Right. So you had done the whole food for the wing. Yeah. So they'd do the rehab wing first, my wing,
0: uh-huh.
1: and then they'd lock everyone up. And you had three sections in Pentonville yeah. for the hospital. for okay. the ones at the bottom were the paddy cells. Yeah. Now you normally took their food down to them if the outside their door. Right. Then you add the middle section, then top section. So they're mm-hmm. the ones that come in, obviously, mental health and on medication. And you'd see them come through. Yeah. You'd see some horrific sights yeah. of self harm. I mean, guys with horrific, horrific injuries where they've done themselves, cut themselves to ribbons. You know, you know, yeah. and you think, wow, man. And you, obviously, they were under lots of medication. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you see a few sights in there. But nine times out of ten, when I went to jail, you make the best of a bad situation. Right. So I was a bit of a joker in prison. We'd go out, we'd have a laugh with the boys playing pool. Yeah, and, you know, like you knew got people a, yeah. in the, yeah. and I was only for a little while, mm. but a little while was enough to save my life because yeah. that three months of me putting on three stone, yeah. I don't think I'm getting any bag of bones, coming out Use like a picture of health. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, 24 yeah. hours late, I'm back in crack dens. One month later, I've lost me three stone, I look like back to square one. Yeah. <laughs> but then three months yeah. was an MOT for me, Yeah, for the yeah. body, to give my body a rest. Yeah, So I don't knock prison, in fact, it saved my life. Yeah. I that police station that day, saved my life. I'm yeah. not sure if you see on Twitter last week, I was doing a conference in London with the police. Wow. Doing a talk, you know. Just yeah. uh, what do
0: they tell you after hearing your talks? What do they say? Oh,
1: They're the they, they, they recruits, these police officers. Okay. And I just get invited along, and what they do is they sort of like promote my work, I guess, into schools in their yeah. area. Manchester, yeah. Liverpool, and all that. So it's a good networking thing for me. But I've just them pictures of crack dens that I've visited, mm-hmm. you know, and what they're up against, what they're kind of, up, you know, with drugs and that. Yeah. And, and, and how we, just, just, you know, it's just part of obviously their training.
0: Yeah.
1: But we do know that probably 70% of all crime mm-hmm. is drug or alcohol related. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. So if you're working in, Nine 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 emergency services. Yeah, you're going to witness a lot of stuff with drugs and alcohol. Yeah, well, that was my thing, wasn't it? Before the gang stuff, or you know, so mm-hmm. you know, our experiences, they probably just prepared themselves. Yeah, for the addicts, for the yeah. crack dens, you know, really and maybe lovely. one police officer can walk into a school one day, mm-hmm. speak to the head teacher, and you know, they they, they listen, probably head teachers to police, and say, "Oh, met so and so, yeah. Hannaford, done a talk. You think they get him in?"
0: Yeah. Sometimes the police come to my talks and afterwards we have like a meeting with the teachers yeah. and teachers who are like, you can't say this, you can't say that, you know. The police are like, you've got to be full on because they're so desensitised by the internet anyway. Yeah. If you don't just give them the full on hard hitting version, it's not going to get through to them. No. But like you mentioned earlier on, some of those teachers think they know best and they've got to protect the kids from hearing reality. Well, actually, they're causing some of those kids to then not learn and go out and, and get into that behaviour.
1: Well, that 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 that, that mentality then t- technically says <clears throat> coming to school at 9am, leave at 3pm. Yeah. After that, see you later. Yeah. Where's yeah. the... Because in schools, they have a thing called PSHE, or citizenship, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Now, as far as I know, I've looked it up, personal social health. Mm-hmm. Right? As far as I know, personal is the rest of your life. Health is the rest of your life and social is the rest of your life. (laughs) It's not three till nine PM. Yeah. Nine till three PM. Yeah. This is about the rest of your life. Absolutely. Not waking up in drug dens, not living outside shops with no teeth begging because you're addicted to crack. Not not sticking knives in people and out in prison for fifteen years. Yeah. So then, you know, it should be you know, but most the ideology is and I'm not here to judge or Mm -hmm. befriend or, you know, put down anyone in education.
0: Yeah.
1: But I strongly believe if you know if you get a living out working with kids and you or your colleagues because you might be in a senior enough position to book someone yeah, don't get someone in with credibility with yeah. experience to talk to the kids in your care about what's going on outside the school gate mm. and then I believe you fall short yeah so what do you want from life now? never to use drugs again yeah never to drink alcohol do you again. feel tempted
0: sometimes? no I dream a lot
1: about drugs you dream a lot about drugs yeah that. I talk about five hours a day yeah Wow, yes, <laughs> so, uh, I think that reinforces reinforced. But you know, what, in my dreams, I'm in the same crack dens. Yeah. And I, I, or I'm being chased by the police, or I'm waiting in the street corners. That was my life, waiting in street corners with drug yeah. dealers. And you know, that that. But the, you know, what I want to do today, probably just be the best dad possible for my yeah. daughter. I don't see my mum much, sadly, because of my past. But when I do see her, she meets for my birthday. Gives me yeah. a birthday card. So, and I just want to, I just want to give the, the people that I let down. Yeah. People closer to me, my daughter, my mum, my daughter's mum, yeah. Mm -hmm. All them people that I let down, yeah. I just want to give them a bit of peace. Yeah, they're seeing you doing good. Because that's what I've got. Yeah. After all that years of carnage, yeah. And you can't buy peace. Yeah. I've got it. Yeah, I can see it in your eyes. Honestly, I've got it. I'm most for that man. Yeah. You never meet. You had to go through hell to get peace. Yeah, but it took a long time. And finally yeah. I sort of grew up, but I don't want to be completely grown up. I don't want to be like sticking a mud be really conservative, you know. I wanna yeah. I, I was I was in a supermarket the other day and I see kids running around being really naughty. Couldn't get their own way, yeah, right? Yeah. Being really naughty. No boundaries. <laughs> Oh, what a beautiful place to be at for, you and know, that kids like stay. Oh, is that playful nature? Because yeah. everyone gets everyone, everyone gets adult and too serious. Yeah. And everyone yeah. comes out with a big set of rules in the morning. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get on the train today. There better be a seat for me. If not, so what they do is, yeah, everyone <laughs> has all these expectations. Yeah. Before they even walk out the door. Yeah. But not all your expectations are going to be met. Exactly. So, what people do is they set themselves up for failure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to go out to the costas, there'll be no queue in there, get in a big queue, get angry. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to expect- I was
0: like that, I've got to be a millionaire by age 30, so put all that pressure
1: on yourself. Yeah, yeah everyone's yeah. always expectations on life. Yeah. You know, I see it the other day, I, I come out of the gym and there's somebody in front of me and somebody in front of them and they walked out and didn't hold the door for them. Yeah. And they got really angry. Yeah. And said, but that person in front of them probably didn't come out with a big set of rules like I did in the morning. Yeah, no. they might not have seen them. It wasn't personal, <laughs> <laughs> but that person really held on to that situation yeah. and got really angry and vocally got angry mm-hmm. and went off. You know, when it's, it's okay. Yeah. someone do down on the door for you. Project- Little things like that though could ruin yeah. someone's day. Yeah, you know, you see people starting in,
0: in. in the car late for work or yeah, fitness class, really almost giving themselves ta- heart
1: attacks. Yeah. I see it all the time. You, know, yeah. you see, you see. i know now. I've got to get on a train now, at Waterloo, and I'm going to go back. You know, to 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 Essex now but especially commuting days, Monday to Friday, yeah. and you can just feel the the the, the, the tension, the energy, and everyone's frustrated and angry, and you know, I, I don't mean to swear on there, but you know, I'm like, chill the fuck out, slow down. I just look at it as an
0: opportunity to read, No, it's you a good book.
1: I know, I know you do, I don't read much, but you know what I do. I do, not there's a thing what I call it, like, you know, just living today. Yeah. Yesterday, see yesterday, it's gone, it's history, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's done dusted. You know, a pretty good day yesterday, but it's history. Tomorrow's not here yet. Oh, I've got a diary, I've got a plan, but I'm powerless over tomorrow. Yeah. Until you know, if I wake up in the morning, fantastic. Yeah. It's start, isn't it? Yeah. So why don't I just concentrate on today? I've, had, you know, I've been looking forward to coming and seeing you today. I've, you know, I've ate I've, I've well, I'm going to go up at night and do a little bit of housework. is <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful? Appreciating but the small things. Do you know the most yeah. priceless thing I love? It's when I get in bed at night. Yeah. And I get into a nice warm bed, and my bed sheets smell nice. <laughs> <laughs> People might laugh at it, like oh, you have, right? listen to this. Because... That's a special moment for me. It's yeah. a spiritual moment. Because you remember, I never should get in the bed. Mm. I should get on a mattress, in a squat, yeah. covered in blood, and it wasn't smelling very nice. Yeah. So when I do fall asleep at night, because see, when I used to go to bed at night and wake up in the morning, it's Grand Dog Day mm. was hell. Mm-hmm. Waking up, my legs stinking. Yeah. So now, when I go to bed and wake up, and I wake up, I'm grateful. It's a
0: yardstick, isn't it?
1: That gratitude yeah. I have the yeah. life. Yeah. Is, is, is amazing. Do you do yoga? Do you know what? No. Because You've right. got the yoga philosophy already. Yeah. And but do you know what I do? do? I do a bit of meditation yeah. in these groups. Yeah. And I find it odd because me do a little bit, I'm a bit a bit I think I might have a bit a little bit ADHD going on somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. But I do I have learned in the past twelve years, of gotten to these groups I go to,
0: yeah.
1: About that spiritual conditioning. Now, people might think spiritual means lighting a candle, doing yoga. Yeah. Now, no disrespect right, <laughs> yeah, to people who do yoga, light candles, yeah. but I'm sure Charles Manson done yoga and he wasn't a very nice person, was he? Right. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, what I'm trying to say is, is that I believe spirituality for me was when I started to reach out and do stuff for others. Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, well, That's good for your soul, the best, isn't it? That's
1: our spirit, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when you're in someone's company, you say, oh, yeah, that guy really lifted my spirit, or it's yeah. good for your spirit. Because people mix spirituality and religion, they're, they're, they're separate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not you know, putting any of them down or up. But spirituality and religion, I found when I started investing time in others and doing nice things for others, it was good for my spirit. And it made me feel a little bit whole. And I didn't have to broadcast every two minutes. Oh, all yeah. right, when I go out work and you go to work and you work for an organisation, you post it, you get the feedback. Yeah. But then there's stuff that I probably do that I won't post, and I'll keep it to myself.
0: Was there a day in your life that made you feel, I want to help other people? The stuff I'm sick of all this that I've done, I want to help other people.
1: When I got the drugs, yeah, because I woke up. Yeah. When I was on the drugs, I was, I was spiritually dead asleep. No. But you went through periods of
0: sobriety and, and gaining your weight back and then going back to drugs. But what was different about the time when you actually sobered up and said, right, I want to help people?
1: I didn't shy away. You didn't? No, I didn't. I, I started working, you know, I started going into these groups. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started meeting people similar to me. Yeah. Then I started getting quite a bit of clean time and then people that were coming along I was giving them a bit of advice. Yeah. Suggestions. Mm. But then it got to a point where I just had this idea, that like I said, mm. to go to this school, move back to my area because the acting went a bit quiet. Yeah. And maybe that was my journey. Yeah. Maybe you had to witness what you did yeah. to to make your story credibility. Yeah. Maybe I had to have all these <laughs> scars <laughs> to make it credible. Yeah. Maybe I had to all in maggots put in my legs to make it credible. Maybe I had to be that gang member to make it credible because no disrespect to anybody that goes around does the similar work to we do. We're all on the same hymn sheet.
0: Yeah. Yeah?
1: And, you know, kids do listen Mm. to proper, more graphic, more intense stories. Yeah. You look at any TV program; it's all now gangsters, drugs, guns, isn't it? Any film oh, comes out, you know, yeah. kids are, young people are fascinated by this stuff, but don't realise is, mm-hmm. it's,
0: it's,
1: it, this is this is reality yeah. in some parts of the country, yeah. the world, yeah, and they just see it as a film, yeah. It's not fiction; it's a like it's the it's video game yeah. 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 And a lot of the video games oh. are like you know based on this, but it's reality as well, mm-hmm. you yeah. Know? So, you know. The concept of obviously this video today and what we do is, is is just to create and try and create the best future for as many young people as possible.
0: And what would you like to say to Brian for inviting me and you and Nick Yaris and Wildman to do one podcast with him together? 100%. (laughs) That would
1: be pretty good because there's so much we could discuss about what we witnessed and to be honest with you, you know, they're probably in the prisons they've been in, so yeah. like they' have been in the English judicial system, yeah. witnessed a, a, a lot more horrific stuff. But, you know, it'd be interesting. There'd be a lot there to, to, to talk about, you know, decades
0: yeah.
1: of experience yeah. that people don't realise is going on. Yeah. Because I'll give a quick example now, and, and I had this old lady once contact me from a website. She went, I'm not a school teacher. You know, I'm an old age pensioner, she went, I've got a flat, she goes, I'll rent it to a young couple in their 20s, she goes, I ain't paid their rent, she goes, I know you live in my area, I think they were on drugs, can you come and look at it for me? So I mean, that's alright, love, no worries, so a couple of days later, I've turned up in the flat, she met me outside, she went, I don't want to go in there, it scares me, so she gave me the keys, let me see off, we cracked crack then. Yeah. You know, I've got some pictures, I could probably clean them over. Mm. Anyway, I off the story short, um, needles everywhere, claret, blood, yeah, mm. it's been full of crackheads, but the flat was empty, they'd moved out and not paid their rent. So i come out, so I went down to the moat, I went, yeah, love, it's definitely cracked in, I said, because she'd been on my website, I said, yeah. you know, I go to schools every day, why have you asked me to come to your flat? She goes, well, ideally, you know, I'd like you to help me get rid of all the stuff in there so I can redecorate it. Yeah. The sofa, the carpet, there's blood everywhere. So I went, all right, I said, no worries. I said, I'll, uh, I, 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 I said, get a skip, right outside the flat. Mm-hmm. I said, when it's out there, call me, I'll come back and help you. She went, all right, thanks. She went off to order the skip, I went back into the flat. So, I've got in a little nose about, as you would, went into the bedroom, and as I'm in the bedroom, um, there was like a baby crib. Yeah. So all of a sudden I knock at the door, so I thought the old lady come back. So when I opened up the door, it was the neighbour.
0: Mm. He'd
1: come out the flat opposite, an old boy. Yeah. And he must have heard me being nosy. He went, who are you, mate? He said, what are you doing here? I said, i oh, saw sorry bother you, my name's Paul. I said, the, the lady that owns the flat has asked me to come round and help me clear out, because she's a drug addict. He went, Paul, tell me about it. He went, see my wife. She had a breakdown. Roll-Age pensioners. They threatened us. They've been fighting every night. Their baby would scream morning, noon and night. And I went, what? I went, yeah, the baby living in it. Oh, the hell. And I went, you're joking. You went, I'm not. I went, how long did they move out? He went, probably three, four days ago. Went back into the bedroom and I looked in the crib and there was syringes. Oh, now man. I'm not saying they were put there before or after, but I do know that, that baby was living in that crack then. Crack dens are full of drug addicts all day injecting. Yeah. The place is full of hepatitis, HIV, all sorts of disease. Yeah. So you know, and, and I don't know if you know this was quite a few years ago. The parents, had, you know, got better and the baby went to care or whatever. What mm-hmm. you've got memories. That baby, his mum and dad, were once at school.
0: Yeah.
1: With a whole life in front of. Yeah. So somewhere along the line they've picked up the drugs and they're end up now with a baby living in correct ends. Yeah. Or was there a missed opportunity?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, are we missing so many opportunities? It's incredible. Or are people not giving us or others the opportunity to go in? Both. Yeah. yeah.
0: Have you seen Nick Yaris on True Jardy?
1: Yeah, some of it. Yeah. Some of
0: it, yeah. And what did you think of him?
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah very he's got that same
0: peaceful look in his yeah. eyes. you.
1: yeah, very slow, nice natured man, yeah. like that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, you know that mindset and having that strength and coming up and then, you know thinking yeah. you're gonna end up in that place and you don't,
0: yeah,
1: is you know, you, technically you know you sort of like think well oh, that's it now.
0: Yeah, the guards almost murdered him and everything to watch yeah. him.
1: What about my crime
0: partner, Wildman? Have you seen him on No, not all is? of it. Okay. Yeah, I've seen a of He's <laughs> a bit, yeah, yeah. I'd like to
1: say he's got the same peaceful yeah. look. <laughs> Sorry, Wildman. That's all right. But, um, but yeah, as I said, look, it's just, it's just, I don't take, I've learned not to take life too seriously.
0: Yeah, me too. Come
1: on, you know, yes. there's, there's a lot of people, as I said, take life far <sighs> too serious. You know, I'm grateful, I've got a nice little flat, I pay me rent, I pay me bills, I'm healthy, you know, I've got some lovely people, in my, life. my world's nice and small. You can have a nice meal out and that's yeah, all. Yeah, you know what? You know, you're happy right now, aren't right? you? <laughs> and I've got an accountant, and I pay tax and all that stuff that yeah. I never did before. I live decently. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I want today. And I just want to go work and, you know, I'm starting to get a bit busy now, probably like yourself, the kids yeah. are going back to school. Yeah,
0: October's crazy, So, it? you know, over the next
1: academic year, if it was like last year, then I'll speak to fifty thousand kids this year. Yeah, you know. And uh, yeah. if I can stop one of them, yeah, I'm gonna stop more. My ego wants to obviously change. I can't change it. Well, but yeah. if I can stop a handful of them,
0: yeah,
1: going to prison for killing another kid. If I can stop a handful of them living outside a shop addicted to crack, yeah, to crack, then, then it's, it's worth me showing up, isn't it?
0: That's more. like you That's worth more than all the money you can make in the world. That's someone's son or daughter. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's, that's that 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 that. Person belongs to somebody yeah you know and people forget that
0: mm-hmm.
1: so as I said I don't believe that um, we're gonna mm-hmm. solve this drug gangs knife crime alcohol problem I do believe we can stabilize it yeah and I believe the way we can stabilize it is with <coughs> as much as as much education as possible at yeah. an early age yeah and then maybe it might take five years before mm-hmm. this knife crime thing starts to stable itself out yeah I've been around now knife crimes all-time high mm-hmm. all-time high so you know it ain't going to stop overnight, is it? There's
0: a brilliant book by Neil Woods. He's wrote two books now. He was an addict, undercover cop, and he's against the war on drugs. Yeah. The drug gangs are basically were sending people to get employed as police so that they could report back who the undercovers were so that they could kill the undercovers. Okay. That's what it's, the level it's got yeah. to, and that was enough for him. He quit. So he reckons that if you reverse the war on drugs, put the drugs back in the hands of doctors, sequester them from kids, yeah. The black market in drugs collapses, mm-hmm. and then those gangsters don't have all that money that they're tooling up with to fight for all those illegal profits, and that would be addressing the root cause. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think, as I said, I don't think we've, uh, <coughs> I don't think the ideology of the hierarchy or whatever, you know, government figures, whatever. Yeah. You know, I don't think everyone's getting the concept of you know, the war on drugs, I don't think there's ever been a war. There's just been drugs and drug users and drug dealers. Yeah, exactly. And it's just a billion pound industry yeah. all around the world. Yeah. And there's no war, there's no battle. All there is, is just the judicial system that catches people. Yeah. Puts them into prison. And it's just one big merry-go-round yeah. of in prison, out of prison, funding, money, fund, you know. Going
0: through the motions. But then
1: on the flip side of all that merry-go-round, there's a lot of dysfunction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot,
1: you know, a lot of dysfunction.
0: Right up to the highest people in office. Yeah, and misery
1: yeah. and pain and yeah. ultimately death. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know. So, Fonzing have asked me to ask you if you would do talks to adults in London?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think I do parents' evenings at schools quite a lot. Yeah. I do lots of parents' evenings and parents get yeah. quite a lot from it. Yeah. You know, parents because I'm quite visual with my talks. Yeah. So, all them pictures of needles <laughs> and, and, and crack games and PowerPoints and yeah. my legs, yeah. I show the parents. Yeah. And a lot of parents, you know, go away from it. You know, a lot of them, obviously, well, do parents, even the kids go to the same school, mm-hmm. and so the answer to the question is, yeah, I we'll would do an adult's talk, yeah, and just take them into what's going on mm-hmm. around the corner from where they live,
0: yeah,
1: and just open their eyes a little bit,
0: yeah.
1: yeah it makes sense because a lot of people don't. A lot of people, you know, shut their doors and isolate now. Of course, you know, wants said, uh, yeah, yeah, just just open their eyes really to the world. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. You
0: know. So, have you got any final messages then you'd like to say to? YouTube audience, you? it's been a few years now since you did your true job. So all, all the kids
1: are wondering how you've been, stuff <laughs> like that. Anything you'd finally like to say? Not really. I would just like to say that you know I'm grateful for every time I get a booking. You know, fair play to the school to book me. Yeah. And how they book you just through your website? Just through the website www yeah, yeah. As you know, through our social media, my Instagram, my Twitter, I get all my feedback. And you know I get quite a lot of messages from kids directly, you know publicly just thanking me like you do. Yeah. And um, yeah just hopefully through my experience, your experience. Yeah. Whether it be meeting us personally Mm -hmm. or kids going on your YouTube or watching The True Geordie. Yeah. That can watch it you know, and I guess like you, I get kids from New Zealand, Australia, Africa, <laughs> you know, all over messaging me, yeah. that have never met me, yeah. but if so, I went on The True Jewelly, and I watched a video, and it's really helped me, you know? Yeah. And so sometimes I not have to meet it personally, mm-hmm. but there might be enough there just to make them maybe put that knife out and not pick it out in the first place. Yeah. There might be enough there to make them change their thinking about certain situations, you know? Yeah. But it's okay to stick up for ourselves, because as I said, you know, talk about yoga, talk about the ego a lot. Yeah. And you know, if you let that run the show, you know, ego, egos can start wars. My ego was yeah. as big as the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought I had to be on twenty different types of drugs, club drug cocktail to be a happy yeah. person. egos weekend. egos, yeah, you know, yeah. can be can be can be quite dangerous sometimes. So, <sighs> and that's what I love. You know, we've all got an ego, but sometimes when you let it completely run your life, yeah. it can be, you know, a little bit, you know, not good. Oh, so yeah, right. so it's all dangerous. the people that listen, you know, I'm sure there'll be a few viewers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got the website, I've got my social media. And, and actually, your Instagram's blowing up it, as well. Yeah, my yeah. Instagram's quite big. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you later. I'll get a limited follow space Instagram. So what happens is, I didn't work out. Instagram only allows people to follow 7,500, whereas Twitter as many as you want. Okay. So, well, you know, as I said, I can't follow everyone back on Instagram. They like kids are, oh, follow me, follow me, and I would. But, you know, yeah. so I can't follow everyone in the world So it won't allow it. But yeah. I still do answer every question on yeah. social media. You know, like any questions. Questions a lot of time, doesn't it? Loads. Yeah. I go into school, do five assemblies, right? And I say, any questions, at the end, you've got kids crying past, <laughs> and a bit of fun. <laughs> so you do like five assemblies, 200 kids per assembly, 1,000 kids. Yeah. So I leave the school at 3 pm, right? <laughs> and then they leave the school at 3 pm, and then they find me on social media, and my phone goes absolutely mad. Yeah. But And then I've got another six hours of answering questions. It's a buzz, isn't it? But yeah, <laughs> but then you put a little picture on, as you do, you know, with the yeah. kids, and you get all the questions. But that's the good thing because it's not like I'm just there to deliver a story. Then they've got an opportunity to go away and watch you on my YouTube, yeah. watch a true Geordie, yeah. and, and and then really sinks in, it hits home. Yeah. Then they go and we'll ask you a few questions. I get a lot of parents. I yeah. get thousands of parents through the year emailing me, thanking me, tweeting me, thanks. My son and daughter's come home from school. Yeah. And they never come home from school and talk about a day at school. Yeah. But they've met you, heard your story, and there's a parent who doesn't want their kids to come home from school and say, Mum, I'll never join the gang. Yeah. I'm never going to. I'm not carry a knife it does give me a good feeling to get those messages yeah of course it does yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but then again you know as I said I don't. That's. it's just what I'm meant to do yeah that's all I'm meant to do is just turn up deliver a story move on to the next school yeah. and then move on to the next school move on to the next school it's a numbers game for me mm-hmm. I ain't gonna do this forever I've burned myself out as we were talking earlier yeah I've probably got another five six years of doing this by then I spoke to a million kids yeah I'll get older, probably won't like children. <laughs> <laughs> if any kid ever kicks their boy in my back garden and not getting it back, I'll oh, burst it. <laughs> so if you want to book Paul for your
0: school, I'm going to put his link in the description box in the YouTube version of this video. I'll put all of Paul's socials in the description box as well. Thank everybody for supporting the first podcast I did with Jamie, I think it's got 98, 98, 99% approval rating. Um, we'll keep these interviews going. Thank all the True Geordie Army for yeah. suggesting this, and um, finally met your Paul. But it's been, been right. it's been great, Good Robert. Job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, man. Good right.
1: yeah. luck with what you're doing. That's all right, Andrew.